Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the place that offers you everything that you need for your fishing, whether it is advice, tips, tactics, bait or tackle. And, of course, we have a fantastic entertainment section, this the outcast and we've got a brilliant guest today an all-rounder a guy who i've known for a few years not through fishing but through sporting accolades as well he is an all-round superhero ladies and gentlemen let's welcome mr dean macy i wasn't a superhero <laughs> on the golf course earlier <laughs> well serves you right for playing a stupid game then i'm having a good day though i've had a day off work I went training this morning, I've got nine holes in, I'm coming here, I'm going to go home, I'm going to play Gran Turismo for a couple of hours whilst the wife does me a nice big dinner, and now I'm going to have yeah. an early night. Yeah, well, look, there's, that's, there's, that's winning. When you get to my age, that's winning. That is, there's two things that you've said there. Number one is <coughs> golf, and you look like yeah. a golfer at the moment, dressed like a Do golfer. You mean, no, you're playing Gran Turismo. How old are you? I'm 46, and I love it. And you, I've you, got loads do you of, play Minecraft? I've got loads all? of cyber fake friends. Oh, really? Mega. Yeah, I got into it over lockdown. So I, I remember over lockdown, a mate of mine went out and he was talking about buying like a, an old PlayStation and just yeah. getting online and stuff like while we was all sitting indoors. And, and I went out and bought a PlayStation. I've got to get this right now. I, got a, I, bought, I bought a PlayStation 4, Gran Turismo Sport, and I was just sitting on, like, on yeah. a big puff in the lounge, just playing like on the joypad. And then because I was taking over the telly for so long, my wife said to me, you're going to have to buy another telly. So yeah. I got a telly and stuck it on my desk in the office. And then I was sort of sitting there like a weirdo, sort of thought, well, oh, I've got a desk here. I may as well buy yeah. a steering wheel. So I bought a steering wheel and I loved it. So I bought a better steering wheel that was so powerful that my printer and my laptop were flying all over the place. I thought the only thing to do now is just buy a rig. <laughs> so now I've got a rig right next to my desk and that's why I don't do any work whatsoever now. Do you dress up in race overalls? Put I've got a crash helmet. Doing it as well? I'm <laughs> regularly found in my <laughs> office in a crash helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Racing children probably, but yeah, yeah, yeah. fake profiles. Fantastic. So it's mega. Yeah, it's I've actually raced a Formula One driver, Have believe you really? it or not. Yeah, Ocon. He was in one of the daily races that I was in. It's actually quite a thing, isn't it? Yes, mega. It Honestly, is quite it's a mega. thing. And, and I used to always say to people that fishing was my place where I was just like, I'd shut off and I wouldn't think about anything. And yeah. training's always sort of been that way for me anyway, because I trained, used to train so hard that I never really had any, any sort of space physically or mentally to think about anything else but now i don't train i just exercise yeah. which is the same stuff just slower and a little bit more pathetic you know a little bit more middle-aged man like yeah but you're doing it I mean. but but when i jump online i can I, like if i don't focus on the racing which is i know this sounds stupid because there's grown men sitting here watching this laughing right now but if i don't focus on the racing i'm crap yeah so it's the only place right now that i totally switch off it's mega yeah. The, the, you've got to have them little. I think you've got to have them little areas. A hundred percent. I think uh, immersive immersive pastimes are absolutely yeah. fantastic because yeah. what they do is they take your mind out of the daily grind of of out the real world. everything else. Yeah, absolutely. For for me, that's mountains. Um, is it really? Yeah, because when you when you're high on a mountain, yeah. and obviously I mean up there, not yeah. any other high. Yeah. Um, but when you're up there, you can't afford to get anything wrong. Yeah, true. So as a result, nothing else matters. Yeah. You know, you you you're doing what you're doing, and and your mind is completely immersed in. Do you know I get that? that. I, I work in the Lake District at a little school, quite a large school called Sedbra. I do a couple of camps yeah. there through the summer holidays, and my wife and some friends they travel up in between my two weeks, and we do three days up in the lakes. Yeah. 
and like we did Helvellyn and um, Prison Band last yeah, yeah, year. Yeah. And when you're up the top and you're doing yeah. those quite steep scrambles near the yeah. summit, I totally get that. Yeah, you've got there to is there is no place for. No. Oh, I wonder what I've got to do tomorrow. Yeah, the higher the mountain, the bigger the mountain. Yeah. You know, the worse the conditions, the more you, you you've got to be in the game. You can't think about anything else. You've got to think about yeah. that. And it's uh, it, it's. Uh, well it's a breath of fresh air it is absolutely yeah. fantastic you know you're taking yourself out of it absolutely everything and doing that but yeah. Uh, yeah there we go well look it's lovely to have you here yeah i was thinking on when, the way up here when was the last time we actually caught up um it I would have been at a show i think northern angling show and i think it was be was it just after covid yes i think so right yeah it's a yeah. while ago it's a couple of years it is yeah yeah it's amazing how quickly the last couple of three years has gone and though, i remember the first time i met you <laughs> when we tried to do a little bit of filming <laughs> and you fell over uh, I did. You fell over. in. Par fisheries. You, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be in. That was for the extreme carp show for Sky Sports, early two thousand. And that would have been early two thousand. Yeah, because yeah. I know. I think I, I tried to get in touch with you, but you were training hard at the time because you were still obviously yeah. very heavily involved in your athletics career at that yeah. stage. One of the things I remember was And that, that was when Shoes told me he jumped four metres in yeah, the standing yeah, long yeah. jump. <laughs> Shoes, you liar. <laughs> Didn't I pull him up on it? <laughs> four metres. Yeah, yeah. He, he was good at it, but he couldn't quite hit no, four, four metres. is like a world record, yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. He used, to, he used to practice, and when he knew he was coming down, he was practising back at the farm, trying to, you know... I bet he used yeah, to practice after yeah. the... I gave him. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you had a Rover 75 then yeah, as well as State, didn't you? You were yeah, sponsored. I was sponsored. Cool, blimey, that was a posh car. Throw, I remember, it? so that was that was right after the Seville World Champs. And I, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything back then. I dyed my hair bleach blonde because I wanted to try and get a sponsor out of track yeah. and field because I had up until 2000. So I'd won the silver medal in the World Juniors in 96. And I sat in McDonald's under Sydney Arbour Bridge and I said to my parents, well, I've been in education for ages and I'm passing nothing. But I've been in track and field like three or four years now. I'm second best in the world for my age. This yeah. is obviously what I've got to do. Yeah. Like, I'm not bright, but I can, like, it, it's, a, it's obvious. So they said, right, you've got till 2000. But I had to get a couple of jobs. I was a lifeguard and um, stack boxes at a place yeah, called yeah. Games and Print. And then I used to run home from there. I finished at 10 and John Wilson was on Channel 5 at 10.30. And it yeah, was a yeah. bloody good run from where I was stacking boxes back home to get home for for the start, you know, we used yeah, to walk yeah. around the world. Yes, right. Yeah, um, but um, oh, I've lost me, lost me thing. Yeah, you used to run home. So this was this was the start of your athletic. How you got into athletics? Yeah, but there was a point. And you know what I'm like? I'll go off on tangents. <laughs> I'll come back to it. Ladies and gents, I'll come back to it when yeah, I remember. You wanted to get a sponsor and you got a Rover. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll yeah. come back after winning a silver in Seville. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I had until 2000. And then I, out of the blue, I went into this um, World Champs in Seville, ranked 11th, won yeah. a silver. Like, so I'd, I'd literally turned pro overnight. Yeah. Didn't have agents, anything like that. And as I walked back into my hotel room, on the desk was a letter from the agent that I have ended up, uh, ended up signing with with like loads of deals on the table. Yeah. I, I, we've got meetings with ASICs, with da 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 and I was going, hey, well, that all sounds like pretty cool and stuff like that. And at the end, he goes, and I got you a car deal. I was like, right, signed. Yeah. Sort of car. <laughs> yeah. 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 Didn't even yeah. ask what car it was. And then yeah. when, I, when I rang him up afterwards, and he went, it's a Rover. I was like, yeah. oh. oh, there we go. It was gold as well, wasn't it? No, it wasn't was gold. gold. No, it was like dark, like a 50 year dark old metallic grey. <laughs> it was gold. I, look, I was a, it, it I was was a very gold. fast 50 year old man. Because <laughs> you like your cars, don't you? Yeah, well. I do love my cars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't own many. Yeah. I don't own any, but I, I love. I've got very good friends that have got some very good cars. Um, yeah, so yeah. I get my buzz from there. But I am a little bit of a sort of backseat petrol head. Yeah. 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 So no fair play. Well, look, where are you fishing at the moment? What are you doing? Um, at the moment, I'm sort of staying a bit local, and I've I've got a little bit more of a passion for fishing a venue 
that I grew up fishing years ago with my old mate Les before yeah. I even had my driver's license, which is the River Chelmer. So it's right, just around okay. the road. Very close. Yeah, and, and, and back then we used to sit set up in the summer at Home Mill and we used to walk to the middle of nowhere and we used to pole fish in the middle of the lights. Like, so back then there was a little bit of flow and a little bit of weed. You wouldn't believe it now. It's a bit more like a canal. like. And used to fish hemp and caster um, and cupping it in. And every now and again, like you catch loads of roach and gudgeon and stuff like that. And every now and again, the elastic would just poof, come straight. This is when I was sort of match fishing. The elastic would come out and you'd either catch a chub or you'd actually catch quite a few tench back then. Yeah. Um, and I probably haven't been on there for 20 years. Um, and I dabbled probably the end of the summer last year, just having a little flick around and having a little wander and having a little sort of like mosey around for sort of just reminiscing really. Yeah. Caught a couple of fish and, and I got a little bit of a buzz back for it. Yeah, but lovely. I think because the River Lee, which is my other sort of local, even though it's like a 95 mile round trip, yeah. but if I want to catch something significant, the River Lee is the most yes. local that I've got. Because I'm probably the only one that will say this, but I, but I just don't see it in the light that everyone else sees it. Yes, there's some monstrous fish in there. It's done yeah. some incredible barbel, but I just don't see it having any long gravity because there's yeah. nothing coming through. Yeah. And I've been there for the last 15-odd years, and I've seen it run its run its course. And actually, I'm, I sort of, from the barbel fishing, I tend to save up the blanks that I used to spend on the River Lee and head up to the mm. Trent because you can almost guarantee, yeah, yeah, even yeah. in the worst conditions, a couple of bites. Yeah. Um, and the average size of fish up there is exceptional yeah, anyway. Not 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 the 17s and 18s that are kept being caught on the Lee, but yeah, but certainly doubles. doubles. Yeah. I'm I'm, su- I'm yeah. super happy driving and catching doubles. Like they're still massive fish for me. Yeah. Um, but also on the on the Lee, my major passion was the big chub, yeah. and they just seem to have gone. Everyone goes, oh, they've moved. They ain't yeah, moved. Yeah. You know, yeah. they were seven and eight pound five, six years ago. Well, dying, and, aren't they? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. Um, and I think I got the monkey off my back by catching a few of the better ones. Yeah. So I'm happy just fishing for, well, not just, but I'm happy fishing like a little bit of cheese paste in the edge, a little bit more local for threes and fours. And I, and I get yeah. almost a good a buzz doing that locally on the river that I grew up fishing that I haven't actually been on for a good number of years now than I did fishing for the big ones on the River Lee. I think there's a lot to be said for taking advantage of the, of the fishing that's close to you yeah. as well. You know, I, I, where I live, we've, we've got some pretty good fishing, yeah. but there isn't an awful lot of it. And exactly the same way, I want to go out and catch a chub. I've got the River Froome by me. They're not big. You know, a, a four is a good fish. They're yeah. averaging two and a half to four. I've just rediscovered it. I absolutely love it. Travelling yeah. light, for me, it's the bread feeder. I don't know if you're cheese paste or bread feeder or maggots or what. But I love fishing the bread feeder. Yeah. And just going out and dropping the bread feeder in likely looking spots. Normally, if they're there, you've got one in 10 minutes. Yeah. I, ju- just- I just think staying local may- means that short sessions are much more viable. Yes. If you're doing not, I mean, I often, and like um, when I say often, like two or three times a week, would drive the 95 miles yeah. for three hours fishing. Yeah, yeah. Even though it wasn't like the conditions weren't right and I knew I was up against it. Well, I don't mind that because on the Chelmer, it's yeah. a 30 mile round trip. You know, and these days, like little things like saving 70 miles a year, like every difference. trip, well, it means that every couple of weeks I can head up to the Trent. Absolutely. You know, I'd, so. I'd urge anybody to have a look at what they've got local because I think sometimes, you, you know, you when you're going through your career, you start off with your local stuff because obviously yeah. that's what you've got. And then you spread your wings, you start looking further afield, but your radar isn't picking up what you've got on your doorstep. No, def- I definitely or overlooked it. it. I definitely yeah. overlooked it. But I overlooked it for a good reason. I overlooked it because... The River Lee was always very good for six and seven pound chub, yeah, and yeah. I don't mean like you're catching them all the time, but you had a yeah. very but good a chance. chance. Oh, a very yeah. good chance, you know. Yeah. Um, and now that window's closed, I just, I, I just don't see. 
I just don't see the time spent on there being viable anymore. And so, and actually, I think my angling's just got to the point now where I'm just quite happy moving around. A chubby favourite fish, do you think? Or oh, 100%. What? Yeah. 100%. They always have been. They always have been since I was fishing. My old man used to work in Whitham, and he used to, through, through the summer holidays, he used to drop me off on the side of the A12, and I used to fish this sort of little horseshoe loop of the Blackwater. Yeah. And I always used to see these chubs swimming around on the surface in the summer, and I was chasing them like an absolute wally, lobbing lumps of luncheon meat and big lobs of wor- lumps of worm at them. And clearly, if, if they can see you, yeah. or if you can see them, they can see you. Yeah. And I was physically running ahead of these fish when I was a kid to try to catch them, and I never caught any of them. And so to think, or to look back now over the last 15-odd years and think about the volume of fish that I have managed to catch not because yeah. i'm an exceptional angler but because they were there on offer um yeah it's, yeah i just i don't know every every chub i catch i look at with a slightly more sort of rose tinted glasses than anything else yeah. you know and the first big chub i caught on like the first six pound chub i caught i thought was absolutely enormous first seven pound chub i caught i thought was absolutely enormous and i've only ever caught one eight pounder but it yeah. is by far the biggest fish That's i've huge. ever seen in my life yeah. now in comparison, I wasn't impressed with the first 20-pound carp, yeah. or 30, or 40. Yeah. And people go to me, oh, really? Because I, I was like, yeah, but when you go to the zoo, when you see the elephants, I, I don't know about you, but I'm never impressed with the elephants because I always knew they were going to be big. Yeah. But when I saw a rhino, I was like, Jesus Christ, look at the size of that. Because I thought, yeah. and I didn't think a yeah, rhino no, was going to be that big. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. other species have always impressed me slightly. I love carp fishing. Yeah. But other species have always impressed me slightly more than the carp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so. I've, I don't know. I've got I've got a real affinity with with chub as well. Anyway, yeah. because I think as when you're a kid growing up, normally you start off on a still water, and then when you do go to a river, they're the biggest fish that you see. Yeah, you know, there might yeah. be other big fish around. There might be an occasional pike. There might be a carp. There might be you know a barbel, but you don't see them because they're too deep. Yeah. But the chub you see on the surface, and I I, I think for me they were the first monsters yeah that i saw wild and, fish yeah. i mean I remember, I remember going to danbury lakes same summer holidays and seeing all the carp on the surface and, yeah. and couldn't catch them yeah but i could catch them on the bottom yes you know not all the time but i sort of fluked to bite here or there yeah, yeah. Um, and my mates caught them but none of my mates caught these chub yeah none of us could ever catch these chub i, I was telling you a story actually a little while ago didn't i same stretch of this little bit of black water yeah. and i've got a picture where i did manage to catch some of these really nice chub along with roach and gudgeon and all that stuff. And I've got a picture of me, all spotty like, 13 years old. I've got a red Seve Ballesteros golf cap on, right? I've got me John Wilson um, vest on that's oh, like eight we sizes two. Yeah, 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 you have to have one of them. Got me Richwood uh, yeah. hold all behind me that's got the seat on that he used to yeah. sit on, all of that stuff, yeah. right? And they weren't chub, they were dice. Oh, God. And they, How big uh, were they then? They were I, I, didn't, I didn't weigh them because I thought they were chub. Yeah. But, but I look at them now as an experienced angler, and not blowing smoke up anybody's back. So I'm like, they're big that, bloody dice rods. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know whether they're a pound, but if when you look at them, and I, I'll try and find it on WhatsApp. I'd love picture. to see it, yeah, yeah. When you look yeah. at them, you look at them and you go, oh, they're big dice. Yeah. They're very big dice. Yeah. This, this, folks, is obviously going to be an all-round conversation because, we, you know, I'm primarily a carp angler, but I love fishing for everything. Dino is an all-rounder who loves fishing for carp as well. To me... Dace are one of the most underrated creatures out there because, For sure. you know, again, sure. we've, we've touched on it briefly in the conversation before this, but if you look at a big carp, it's a 40-pounder, yep. 50-pounder, let's say 60-pounder, you know where they are and you know how to 
not necessarily how to catch one, but you know how to put yourself in with a chance of catching one. If you want to catch a 30-pound pike, you know what you've got to do and where you've got to go. If you want to catch a five-pound perch, you know where you've got to go and what you've got to do. Let's look at three-pound roach these days as well. Actually, that's a huge fish, but you now know where you've got to go to try and catch them because there's quite a few cart venues that have got these big fish in. Dace. I wouldn't know where to point you. Well, there's one, there's hardly any around. Yeah. Two, they're ghosts so quickly. You know, they're in and out. Yeah. Three, even if you're in the swim with one in, there's absolutely no guarantee you're getting anywhere near it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, a, and a, a dace over a pound to me is is the holy grail of fish. It's very rare, but also I think it's, like we were saying, I think it's very rare because just not a lot of people consider them. No, no. So, Wrongly so. Oh, for sure. But because I mean, they're not big and they don't pull I, out. I, back, I, actually, as a specimen angler, yeah. which I would consider myself probably from the turn of the century-ish, yeah. um, I don't think I've ever had a good go from. Have you not? Oh, no. I, I, don't, I don't. But I don't think I've ever been anywhere where I probably could have had a go. Yeah, I should I, have gone back to the Blackwater. Yes, you should have done. I know. You should have done. Because if, you know, if there is a period where there are biggins around, you need to get on it. I remember, because Terry Hearn loves them. I remember talking yeah. for a long time, because at the same time as Terry was having a go for some, I was having a go for some as right. well. And we were talking about their behaviour patterns, because big days have got a very different behaviour pattern to small days as well. So small days tend to be pack fish. Right. Big days tend to be very small group fish because they're the only ones that are left of their year class. Right. And when they get that big, they're normally coming towards the end of their life and they don't last very long. So you've only got a season or two and they're very migratory. They migrate very early on. So, you know, where close season is March to June, they'll be going up the spawning streams come mid-end of February. So do 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 they grow big quick and then die off quick? Are they like grayling? I think so. Right. Yeah, okay. So I, that, so. I don't right. know enough about them, but you know, you know where you get periods with grayling when now's the time to be on the river. Yeah, I've got and a then, few people that have got like syndicates on test and stuff like that, yeah. and they're like, right, next couple of seasons is yeah. when I need to be guesting you. That's or it. You'll go Give three it or four five years. years yeah. yeah, you go yeah. three or four years when yeah. when they're just all like this, but they yeah. grow big quick, and then yes. and then they're not around. For, th- for that much longer. I, I think that's generally what happens with dace. But, right, okay. you know, the, 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 what happens is you've got big packs of them. So you, even if there is a slightly bigger one in there, you can't get through to them. But as they get older, they get their, the, the, the year class gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So the yeah. chances of you finding a shoal of dace is simple. The chance of you finding a small group of dace, there might be six or seven. Big and you say there. that because on that day, when I look at that picture, and I'm just trying to think back to that picture, yeah. I caught roach gudgeon and I caught like four or five dace. Yeah, you I, didn't, I didn't catch a bag of dace. Yeah, you, you, when you get a big one. Although, having said that, if you, you fish the Y, yes. the Y is ridiculous. I, I had a match against 40 for On The Bank last year when right. we were doing our pound challenge. And the amount of big days he must have caught, I don't know, his, his run was slightly different to mine. I think I got my tactics slightly wrong. I caught a load of fish, mm. but he was catching bigger ones. And where I was catching four to six ounce pack days, he must have had 20 around about the 10 ounce mark. Oh, which is you know a 10 ounce dace is a big day as soon as you get to yeah, yeah, double figures yeah. he must have had 10 but he wasn't getting really big dace because you know a, a, a couple of ounces on top of a 10 ounce dace is, That's a, huge is a lot yeah and and I, you know I've had a 15 ounce dace I can't break that's why you the want that pounder. 16 ounce, yeah. And it's one ounce. You need, no, you need 101, though, don't you? It, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just to make up for it. Now, you're, like, now everyone knows that you're that desperate for a pounder. Everyone's yeah. going to go, hmm. Well, well no, because the last one would have been if I was that desperate. Yeah, wouldn't true. it? So, but you, you know, you have to wear dates in a in a carrier bag. Of course you do. So, and because there's no margin, you know, you, you, if you've got a big waist link, you can't put a small thing in a big slink. No. 
so you've got to put it in something that doesn't carry water or anything like that and it went in the bread bag it was in the old um did it the, really yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's gone in the bread bag so it could be weighed properly and it didn't matter how much i shook it it wouldn't quite go over it was hovering no, in between it is what like, it is, well, isn't it? yeah that's it it is what it is um but if i'd have had one i could have probably ticked the box and walked away from it but i'm now so hungry oh yeah for oh, the rivers are this year though aren't they excuse my language well though. my rivers are all in my syndicates yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, that's why I yeah. went golf today otherwise yeah. I'd have gone fishing I'd have been on the chelmer rolling a bit yeah. of cheese based underneath a bush or something but my, where are carp fish tench fish bream fish and pike fish yeah it's the same place the chel- chelmer's also <laughs> yeah. there as well yeah. yeah so well look let's let's get a little bit controversial now on this actually um, we, we, we don't plan what we're going to talk about we have a couple of bullet points but we go wherever we want close season where yeah. do you stand on that because as a, as a river angler <clears throat> And, you know, I've got more and more into my rivers as the years have gone by. Carp fishing is effectively my work and yep. my sport, yep. whereas river fishing is my relaxation and my angling. Yep. And I love going out on the rivers. And what I'm finding more and more is that the period that you can fish on the rivers is getting less and less. Yeah. Whether it's floods, whether it's climatic issues, whether it's pollution. You know, realistically, when you look at a lot of the, the slow, what are classes, the slow drop rivers, so the Stour takes a while to come up, but it takes ages to go yeah, down. Yeah. The test doesn't come up very much, but when it comes up, it's gone. The Trent will move through fairly quickly, but the Seven takes a long time to drop. Yeah. You know, some of the Welsh rivers are great because they come up in no time at all, and then they're gone in no time at all. Yeah. But everything's so wet at the moment yeah. that it's going to be weeks. And uh, with, with that, I, with everything that's going on now, and I don't mean to be sitting on my high horse, mm. but we, I think angling is the least we need to worry about like homes and pubs and places like that are being flooded right yeah no i get that but but i i am an advocate for the close season yeah i just think it's in the wrong place agreed um and i think that come june the 16th a lot of people are bivvying up and queuing up to get back on the rivers and then fish ain't spawned yet yeah yeah. and i think unlike commercial fisheries or managed carp fisheries where they can they can identify when fish are started to spawn within the season and they can they can shut it yeah. rivers albeit may be managed but they're never managed to that degree mm. and so i just think possibly in my just in my very basic opinion i like having the break yeah. i think the break does the fish and the fishing and the rivers the world are good because it's yeah. a very natural venue yeah. uh, they're not getting stocked and i think that it's it needs to be pushed back yeah so that when we're back on the bank the fish have spawned they've got that out of their system and i mean i and it wouldn't bother me if that was the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think that the, the, the whole thing is skewed at the moment. I wouldn't say ban the close season, but I would say no. I, I th- I'm definitely for you, the close season. You bring in. I don't think it should be three months. I think that individual fishery managers should be able to turn around and go. You know what? This yeah. is the period that we're going to close because this year, this is when the fish are going to spawn. Because if you have a look at it, for us to say that there's a three month window where they're going to spawn half the time they don't anyway. The no. amount of time I've seen barbel spawn in the end of June. You know, but then you've got the preds. So then you've got the argument for the preds that go a lot earlier. So, so it's, a, it's a it's a tough one, and lots of people have different opinions. Yeah. So what we do is you say right, no predator fishing in 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 March. But no ri- no rivers ever get like policed that well. They don't. But they should. If they yeah. do, they should already be policed that well. Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. So ultimately, I suppose that comes down to society because nothing in society is policed very well. Well, it, beca- it comes down to greed. Yeah. Because as anglers, generally, I find their their need for catching fish is often put above and beyond the health of the species you're targeting 
Mm. I, I see that too many times. Yeah, yeah. And that's not yeah. me being derogatory to fishing, but let's be honest, it's you know, there's there's a lot of people out there that don't really care. They're just there to catch. Yes, I I I, I get that. I absolutely get that. But I think equally, what fishing puts back into yeah. angling or, or the angling environment yeah. is much greater than what it takes out. Yeah. Because you know, let's let's be absolutely clear upon this. Make no mistake. The only reason that the whole world is looking at the pollution issues in the UK at the moment is because of the work the Angling Trust did to highlight yeah, yeah. what had gone on with some of the water companies polluting. And yep. as a result, everybody's jumping on that bandwagon now. But if it wasn't for anglers and angling sitting out there first saying, you know what, this is terrible, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. Your average do- dog walker walks down the river and they look at the river and they look at the birds and they think, oh, doesn't it look nice? Yeah. The average angler looks underneath the water. Is that in between leaving their bags of hanging up on the side of the bush? Oh, don't start me on that. Well, let's go for it because yeah. that was my most successful hey. pa- Facebook <laughs> post ever. <laughs> that was the one that um, Basil in the sports village, wasn't it? Or was yeah, it the lake yeah. one as well? All the kids were playing and that, like, there was just like dog all over the park, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was disgusted. I couldn't believe the volume of it. Yeah. And so I, I got really angry. And I, I don't like, I don't buy into the unsocial media type of thing. I'm very much an old school. If I ain't got anything good to say, I'll just keep myself quiet, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that have got big voices sitting on keyboards and yeah. stuff, but that's yeah, not yeah. me. I did a video, didn't I? I was like, if I see you not picking up your dog, I'm going to pick it up my bare hand and I'm going to yeah. stick it in your teeth. <laughs> I still get tagged into dog post Did to you? this day and that must that was way before covid yeah. i remember seeing that thinking, i was livid mate there's, there's footprints all over the place like yeah. just like dog with footprints i'm like that's just that's yeah. just disgusting but it is right it's, uh, ultimately it's that respect thing isn't it yeah yeah so oh, it's, it's not just it. anglers but there, there is a mi- there is a minority of people and and with fishing i feel like you have to <clears throat> you have to build the rules around the lowest common denominator mm-hmm. which often gets in the way of people that are actually respectful to the fish and the environment and stuff like that but not we have to be very like honest not everybody's like that yeah, yeah, but yeah. you only have to walk onto some swims on the trend and realize that you know people don't care sometimes yeah. i don't i don't necessarily think that's angling like i say i think it's society because if you walk yep. down the road there's going to be people that will drop litter and people that won't True. um so it, it, it's it's not anglers it's humanity no, it's humans it's humans yeah it's not anglers problem. it's humans no, no absolutely uh, but so, them humans angle of course, yeah, of course, and so they should. We got really That's political. Yeah, we have actually. <laughs> we way. have. So, um, look, let's let's get back onto your sporting career. So, because yeah. I want I want to touch on that again. You know, you had a, a, an incredibly good career. You know, you've represented the country, medal winning, world championships, Olympics. Um, just just talk me through what it felt like going through that career to be at the highest level. You know, I, surreal. I, I'm surreal. Incredible. Like, I, 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 looking back, I feel like I had quite a lot of imposter syndrome, which is sort of almost like a fad thing now. But I never felt like I deserved to be there. Even though I worked my backside off every single day, not one person in my entire career ever out-trained me on the track. Yeah. But I always felt like, like why, why am I here? You know, it happened quite quickly. You know, I think I mentioned it earlier on. I did the World Juniors in 96 after like four years of doing athletics and came second. Yeah. Right. So as an age grouper, under 18, second best in the world. Yeah. So decide that I've actually clearly got some form of talent in track and field. Um, And then within three years, 
Um, I didn't compete in three years because I had a couple of surgeries. I had injuries and stuff. But I was training full time, even though I had this sort of 6.45 in the morning till 12 o'clock in the afternoon um, lifeguard job. And then 6 till 10 at night, I had the, the stacking boxes job. But I still got seven days a week training in that afternoon period. Yeah. Um, and so when I, in 99, when I realised that like I, I've got to qualify this year for the Olympics, otherwise my, my sort of track and field dream's over, yeah. I never once ever thought that the qualification for the World Champs in Seville in 99 would end up later on that year, me winning a silver medal yeah. in the World Champs and turning pro. Yeah. Like I, I never saw that in my stars. I never saw that in my future. I never saw me being good enough. You know, mm. clearly my performances on track dictated that I was verging on world class at the time. But I never thought. I don't know. You just hear stories of people always like getting to that position and then just not being able mm. to do that extra sort of step. And I just assumed that at some point I would not get that extra step but I kind of did and so I sort of went through my entire career being very aware that I was never the best on the planet I wasn't ever a Jessica Ennis I wasn't ever like a Mo Farah I wasn't ever going to be that guy that was going to break world records or or if I was in shape I was winning yeah. because I had Thomas Dvorak Roman Chevrolet I had a number of world record holders throughout my career that broke world records in that time that were the best history had ever seen you know, um, but I always prided myself on being a competitor, and albeit in that sort of ten-year period, I only did five major championships, which meant I missed five. I always saw myself as probably fourth or fifth ranked in the world, mm. but my lowest ever position in a major champs was fourth. So I trained myself to a point at which, as a professional. And not knowing that I wasn't ever naturally going to be fighting for those medals unless I was like there, I was at the very peak, the sharpest point of that pyramid. I, I sort of run that sort of tightrope of I was ready, I was dangerous, I was going to win a medal, mm. or I was injured. Yeah. Because if I trained to the level that everyone else trained at, and I, I and I sort of relied on my natural ability. I didn't ever see myself competing for medals, and mm. and all I, I never competed for money any time throughout my career. I only ever wanted to bring home medals. Yeah, yeah. That was it. I just wanted to stand on top of the rostrum one time, yeah. just to make all of the sacrifice worth it. Like yes. you know, so so it was it was a weird one because I was very aware that I was good, mm. right? As in, like I was a world class athlete clearly because I was yeah. being paid to be a world class athlete, and and my first senior major champ, I'd won a silver medal at the World Championship. So it was pretty clear, obviously, that I was capable. But I never I never really felt like I was at home in that position. Yet when I stepped onto the track, like I trained like I was never in that position. Like, you know, I always yeah. trained like I was fighting to get there. Mm. Um, and I think the boxers always say it, train like a challenger, fight yeah. like a champion, like, you know. And that's kind of how I did it. I didn't think any of them corny lines while I was doing it. I just... I just always assumed it was going to come to an abrupt end, so I just put everything I had into it to try and keep it going. Um, but when I stepped onto the track in the major champs, I'd always put my little glasses down, yeah. and, and, and from that, so I got nervous. I always say to the kids when I'm doing my academies, like, you only get nervous about things you care about. So if you turn up to a comp and you're not nervous, yeah. when someone comes up on your shoulder, they're clearly going to run past you because you don't care enough. Yeah. You don't care enough to fight them off. Yeah. And I was always very nervous before a competition. Warm up, 
cool rooms, all that stuff, like proper butterflies in my belly. So couldn't couldn't eat properly, like felt sick and stuff. But when they called us to our marks, I put my glasses down. Mate, I just like answer me this, right? This is this is sort of like that mechanism. Yeah. Um from that moment on, the only thing I heard was my feet, my breath, mm. everyone else around me that I was competing against, yeah. right, and the gun. Yeah. I never heard 50, 60, 80,000 people screaming. Yeah. Now, in the 100 well, that's over in 10 seconds or the hurdles that's over in 12, 14 seconds or the 400 even that's over in 40, 45, 46 seconds, you can understand that. But in the 1500, it goes on for like four and a half minutes. You've got to keep a lot in there. Mate, to, I, to but I, you, I didn't even think about it, but I never yeah. heard a single whisper from the crowd. Wow. How mad is that? Yeah. So that like little, that, that thing that I did... Like, and it just developed over a course of like training. It came through for training, you know, because like, training was just as hard as competition, harder than competition. And you'd get really nervous for training. So like before a rep, I'd put these glasses down and I'd go from sort of almost, almost not want, not, not wanting, because I love training, like I love training almost a bit too much, but not, I'd almost go from sort of like going, oh, got to do five 300s now to we're going to do five 300s. And it was that little... You're going automatic as soon yeah, as Yeah, it was that little switch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's your autopilot. And as soon as I'd done that when I was competing, I felt yeah. like I could beat the world. Yeah, like I felt, felt like a genuine, like an animal. And But but I always, when I was competing in the major championships, like in the in the stadiums and stuff, it's a very it's a very weird, lonely feeling. Yeah, now yeah. I can imagine. It's a, big, it's a big place, but there's an awful lot of eyes on you. Yeah. You know, when you're... Uh, I know, you know, obviously I've competed as well in, in my sport, which yeah. is angling. And, and whenever you step up to that world stage, there are so many eyes on you, whether they're yeah. actually there at the time in the stadium looking or whether they're watching from the sidelines, wherever they are, they're watching. There is no hiding place. No, there isn't. And that's there, why I loved none. track and field. Yeah. I did team sports when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, I was <clears> kind of one of those annoying kids that was pretty good. Like, I wasn't fantastic at anything, but I was pretty good sport-wise at most yeah. things. Picked it up, good hand-eye coordination kind of thing, but yeah. terrible at academia, right? So in yeah. class, I was the one that everyone hated to be partnered up with, but yeah. when we was in PE, people were fighting hand over fist yeah, and be yeah. on my sort of team, right? So that was yeah. that was me as a kid. Um, but yeah, it was. It, it's. I like the fact that win, lose, or draw, I was the one that... They, like, they, I was the one that dictated that. Like it was all down to me, and I kind of like that pressure. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a funny thing, pressure, isn't it? You put an awful lot of pressure on yourself that could be good or bad. But you've got to be ready for it. The, well, it, it what you were saying a minute ago it really resonates because I know when um, I feel sick before the World Championships. Yeah. Whenever we're doing it, I just I feel sick. I've I've retired now, so I'm in a slightly yeah. different place now. But um, I. Whenever we went there, the nervous tension just made me feel sick. I wouldn't sleep properly yeah. for four days, five days. You know, you might have an hour or two, yeah. but I couldn't sleep. There's days where, even though I'm I'm managing, there's you know there are different elements to yeah. the team event anyway. I just, it's so intense. You're in it all the time that yeah. you can't do anything else. For me, it was the national anthem. Because they play when we're presented, they play our national anthem first before the start of it, and as soon as the national anthem goes, it's like right, that's it. Yeah. There was also I don't know if you got it as well, but there's also when you put your shirt on. There's a moment when you put your shirt on. You know, you're training, you're training kit, you do whatever you do, but the minute you put your competition shirt on, that's like the first step to this is now it. It's real. Yeah, yeah. this is it. Whether you're lacing your shoes up, putting your boots on, yeah. whatever you're doing, this is now it. And when as soon as that national anthem went for me, yeah. That was my glasses moment for you, and suddenly 
everything is completely different. Yeah. You know, you're ready to die, you're ready to fight, you're ready to do whatever you are. But that is the moment, and it's um, it, it's a it's a it's a hell of a feeling. I can tell. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. I can see. I'm it. welling up. Yeah, I know. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, it's it is. I, I always I always felt nervous, like when I was when I was in like the pre-competition camps because there was always something to do. But yeah. once once the training and the prep was done, yeah, the nerves were because I didn't want to let anyone else down. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to let myself yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. I could, and I always got nervous. The better I was, because I'm like, I'm on the verge here. Like I've just got to do it, yeah. you know. And often it would be nine months of training mm. for two days of competition, and you don't get a second chance. No, you know. No. So, so I, I love that pressure, and I was kind of ready for it because nine months of preparation. I mean, you do anything yeah, nonstop, yeah. solid, day in day out, six days a week, twice a day for nine months. Right? It becomes yeah. like breathing. It's it's tricky as You've well. You've just got to deliver. I suppose for for you too. Your your race is ten seconds, so yeah. there's all this this straight or not ten. If it's ten seconds, it's bloody good. What was your hundred meters? Ten six. Was it ten six? Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Right. Not racing you to the wall from four <laughs> pegs. <laughs> I'm not a ten six <laughs> now. Me. But yes, uh, but, I, but you was I was ready for that. That's like, intense though, Dean, isn't it? That is yeah, very intense. And, yeah. and 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 like I said, I was super nervous all the way up to it. But when they like, I'd set me blocks up, I'd get nervous. I'd do me first run out of the blocks, I'd get nervous. But the minute they go on your marks, and I put my little shades yeah, down, game on. right? I was that was it. I was game on. Yeah, yeah. And I I just didn't hear anything else. And yeah. I just and it was it was it was like breathing. Yeah. You know, and all right, not every single event over my entire career went brilliantly, but very few went subpar. Yeah. Very few in ten years. The zone is the same, and the intention yeah. is the same, isn't yeah. it? So, hey, I, I think uh, this is this is something again. If you compete, you you'll know that you can be at the absolute best physical fitness or, or or the top of your game but to to get to that top step you need all the other little things that sometimes are out of your control yeah. to, to align like you know at, at the moment i'll say that for for the last f- three four years but no probably for the for from year five to two years ago england wear it yeah as far as fishing is concerned and in the latter years, although we've won a world championships, Ukraine have now come in. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got an incredibly good competitor against you, that is, you know, they're always good. It's that other thing that you're thinking, we've got to beat Ukraine. We've got to beat Ukraine. Yeah. You almost yeah. forget everyone else because you know that whatever the athlete, well, I've forgotten his name, but whoever it was. Well, there were the several. Best. And the thing is, I had, so I, I had several dick athletes over the course of 10, day, uh, 10 events over two days that yeah. were like, World record holders, yeah, yeah. right? Three times world champion, Olympic champions, world record holders, world indoor re- record holders, right? So so my target was to beat yeah. one or two of those. Yes. If I did that, I'm meddling, yeah, yeah. right? But in between all of the events, I'd be like, right, he's fast. I need to hang on to his coattails. Yeah, yeah. He's a good jumper. I need to be beating him. In yeah. the 1,500 metres, the guy actually that won the 1996 World Juniors ahead of my silver, wrote, um, Attila Javotsky from Hungary. Yeah. He was an exceptional high jumper and he was an exceptional 1500 metre runner. And I always used to think going into the last 1500 metre race, right, it was, it's all about heart. You're limping up to the line. You're already fatigued from nine events. You've been on the track for 48 hours, right? Um, and and it's, it's all like you know how much I have to beat you by, them by, how much I have to stay in front of someone else or how much I have to like stay within that ma- like distance of someone else, right? So it's all sort of down to... The race, but the winner of the race isn't the winner of the decathlon because it's all based on points. And I always used to think to myself, 
irrelevant of where I am in the standings, I've just got to beat Attila. Yeah. I've got to beat Attila. Yeah. And the one time I beat Attila, someone else beat him as well. And they beat me. <laughs> <laughs> and Attila always, I mean, it didn't really matter who won the 1500 metres, but I'd never won yeah, a 1500 yeah. metres in the decathlon in the 2004 Olympics. I just overtook Attila going into the last bend. Yeah. And then someone else come oh, past me. I was no. like, <laughs> can't get a, can't catch a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. It's all it's all of those little things around the outside of it. And and yeah. and to a degree, you know, you can liken that to what goes on in the fishing world as well. The, well, the can... one thing that is different is that even though we're even though I am competing against competitors, yeah, there's no one else in my circle when I'm throwing discus or shot. There's no one else yeah. on my run up when I'm doing high jump, long jump, pole yeah, vault yeah. or whatever. There's no one else in my lane other than in the 1500 metres. Yeah. So in the decathlon, it's about me performing. Yes. If I don't perform, there's you can't blame anyone. Yeah, yeah. In fishing, there's a lot of variables yeah, you can't control. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you don't draw on a stack of fish and they do, yeah, you're... You, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So not that there's excuses, but there are variables that are out of your control, which yeah. to a degree is even worse. Well, I, I always think you can't win off a draw, but you can lose off it. Yeah. So, you you know, you can you can put somebody on a stack of fish and they may or may not catch them. Yeah. yeah. If you put somebody on no fish at all, it doesn't matter how good they are. No, you can't make a so good a result, bag and a yeah, bad bag good. Exactly. No. So that's that's one of the downsides of it. But with, with this is why I like the team event rather yeah. than the individual event, yeah. because it balances it out because normally you'll have a good peg, an average peg and a yeah uh so and what you need to do is you need to get the best out of each one that you can and it will balance out a bit yeah it's, which is uh, kind of yeah. similar to the decathlon helps a little i've got bit. strong events yeah, yeah i've got exactly. weak events and my job is to basically maintain a steady line right yeah. the way across the board and average out eight and a half hundred points consistency is good yeah some are going to be a thousand points yeah. some are going to be six yeah. pole vault 600 points <laughs> oh so <laughs> at pole vault but i loved it yeah. i think the work i, I think just thought one, with them things you could have stepped over no it. no because Pole vault's about gymnastics, yeah, yeah. right? Being able to bet, um, liken the pole vault, right, to running down a run up at two, 25 mile an hour with a, a five metre fishing rod in your hand, yeah. right? You're the lead, so you can press a rod with a lead, yeah. right? The rod is 210 pound test curve, yeah. right? So yeah. you think a four pound test curve yeah, rod's yeah. stiff. This yeah. rod's 210 pound test curve, right? Yeah. And you've got to bend that in half and then in a split second rock upside down and be in the right position to when it straightens, get rocketed up in the air. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, like yeah, heights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So how, I, is, how high are you jumping? Well I jumped four eighty and a good That's a, a high good though, yeah, isn't and, it? and and really I should have I should have probably got to five metres with an average of four eighty. And I didn't. Yeah, I was yeah. a four eighty jumper with an average of sixty seventy. So I always jump quite close to my P V. Yeah. But I never forget my coach saying, You've got to stay upside down longer and I went that or run faster in the 1500 because <laughs> i'd yeah. used to get upside down and i'd look back down the run up and see people standing there waiting yeah. watching me and i'd be like i'm yeah. coming out of this that's a long way yeah i'm coming is, out of that this is, that is a long way i wouldn't dive that far into water that's a long way let, no, alone, let alone belly flop from yeah. uh, up there on your back. i missed the bed several times have you yeah i missed oh. the bed a couple of times oh, that yeah must be terrible. I, and I, like back then like your mid-20s you bounce don't you so you sort of like you get up you shake yourself off you snap your pole when you ever yeah. it goes everywhere but now i fall off my mountain bike and i'm like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's like, get up, you sloppy yourself. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm dying, I'm winded. <laughs> it's funny falling over when you get older. Like the the the, the toddler falls over. It's like, come on, you'll be all right. Get up. Yeah. You fall over now. It's like, dong. Yeah. Give me a minute. Come on, that hurts. Yeah. 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 But look, after a glittering career in athletics, you then moved into TV. So you've had you've had an interesting TV career well, as it, well. I didn't move into TV. It sort of found me. 
Right. In a, in a, in a weird way. Is that because um, you can talk nine legs off a donkey? Possibly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but also because, I, so I just done, I just finished the two thousand four Olympics. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd always been sort of reasonably cool with the BBC anyway, like yeah. you know when it comes to track and field kind of things. Because you ask me a question, I'll tell you all of the answers rather than just single yeah, silver. Yeah. I, I was certainly the opposite to most football like players when they got yeah. interviewed, right? So I was yeah. very heart on the sleeve. Tell you where it is. Um, but after two thousand Olympics, like I'd come fourth in the two thousand Olympics in Sydney, and that's a tough pill to swallow even to this day because I wasn't dealt, and I won't go into it too much, but I, I wasn't dealt a fantastic hand. But I run and jump myself into a amazing personal best at the time, but my throws let me down, and and there was less than a hundred points between gold and fourth. I come right. fourth, yeah, right, yeah. and and with and with my throws, I probably lost a hundred points. Yeah. If if not more, yeah, yeah. and that's not from a yeah. PBs. That's from solid positions. Yeah. Um, um, so that was a bit of pill to swallow. But in two thousand and four, in in Athens, I come fourth, and I tore my hamstring quite a substantial tear. To be fair, like six weeks odd before, um, and so I was I was humming and ahhing whether I'd actually get a chance to start. And so I remember maybe a week before the the Olympics, I did a press conference and and they asked me what my like sort of my what I was looking to achieve. And I was like, top eight. Top eight is a final, right? All yeah. the sprinters, if you get to the final, you're in the top eight in the world. Um, win, lose, or draw, you're top eight in the world. Like, you know, so even in sort of big events where there isn't an actual final, top eight is like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's your bare minimum. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. And so to come fourth when my realistic target was top eight mm. um, was a major win for me. And I remember doing an interview for, I can't remember what channel it was, but I remember doing an interview. And they went, oh, poor you, like, you know, that was all, that was yeah. all, all sort of down. For, I'd done a lap of honour with the winners. Yeah, like, yeah. I was over the moon. Yeah. I'd, out, again, outperform my own expectations, come yeah. fourth. Yeah. I was quite away, if I'm honest, behind third. Um, and it was tight between me, fifth, sixth and seventh. So yeah. it was a, our own little battle, and yeah. I won that little battle. Yeah. Um, and they said, um, and they said, what are you going to do now to get over it? And I, like, and I sort of came back with a bit more of a positive spin on it. And I said, I'm going to France. I'm going fishing for a week. Yeah. Um, Discovery got in touch with my agent. My agent got in touch with me, and in the end, in two thousand five, I ended up filming my very first TV show on course, yeah, yeah. which I absolutely loved. Yes, um, because it sort of put me into that sort of all rounder specimen circle, which yeah, is yeah. which bit me like you wouldn't believe. And that's the yeah. fishing that I do to this day. Um, and it wasn't good. Like the, the show was great. The principle yeah. of the show was great, uh, but I wasn't good. Yeah. But but it was the start of doing some form of presenting. And from there, I did a little bit of stuff for Channel 4, BBC, Al Jazeera, Eurosport. I did bobsleigh because apparently I'm an expert bobsledder but, you know, I've after doing bobsleigh yeah. for 10 days will, well, <laughs> and not killing myself. Tell, I us, tell us about the bobsleigh story. How did you get into that then? Um, I can't, do you know, I can't even remember. I think I was retired, but just. Yeah. And I, I was laying on a physio bed getting my hamstrings done. And I got a phone call from my agent and they said, look, we've got a BBC documentary that like they seem to be very keen to have you on board yeah already i'm sitting there going like yeah. cool sounds good like, uh, yeah cool yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay yeah. I'm, I'm i'm sweet to do whatever i'm free right <laughs> you know just yeah. retired yeah. um and um i said what is it and they said they want to take four ex-athletes from different sports there was a cyclist so craig mclean dan luger from rugby jason gardner the sprinter from track and field and me being a bit of an all-rounder they want to put you in a bobsleigh. They want to give you 10 days, yeah. take you out to Chisana in Italy, and then they want to teach you out of bobsled and enter you in the British Champs and see how you guys, as physical whatever specimens, yeah, can yeah. adapt to a different sport. 
And they said, but the production team said, you're definitely going to crash. It's, it's definitely going to work, but you're more than likely going to survive. And I would sign me up. Like, <laughs> and the very first thing we did, right, when we met, we met at Bath University where yeah, there's yeah. like the little push track. Yeah, that's uh, all it is. You, you don't yeah. slide there. You just push. Yeah. That's it. Just to see who's going to be a driver, who's going to yeah. be like a, um, yeah. uh, a, a brake Engine and steering. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and they showed us cool run-ins, followed by like a 20-minute video of all of these dramatic crashes from all over the years where these sleds, skeletons, and, and bobsleds just come out the track and then we're like, we're like, I'll turn around to Jason Gardner like that, and I'm, I'm like, he's like this. I went, I went, Jace, you're right. And he went, like, <laughs> terrified. And anyway, from there we went out to Tijana. Ten days uh, of sliding started yeah. off on like the kiddie slides, and, like yeah. you, you basically work your way up the mountain, yeah. right? So you start at the bottom quarter, and then you go halfway, and then you go three quarters of the way up, and then you start at the top, but just like both of you sitting in, and then the coach is going. Yeah, and then and then the coach starts pushing you off, yeah. and then Jason starts pushing us off, and then yeah. I get out and we start pushing us off, and then obviously you're getting quicker and quicker and quicker. Yeah, I remember ringing my wife for every single evening. She goes, "How are you doing?" I said, "Great, I ain't crashed yet." And she went, "That's brilliant." I said, "No, it isn't." I said, "Dan's crashed five times, but he's crashed at 40, 50, yeah. and sixty mile an hour." Yeah. And she went, well, "What's bad about that?" I said, I'm, "They reckon I'm definitely going to crash, and we're above seventy mile an hour at this point." <laughs> <laughs> and we did. We crashed at seventy-eight mile an hour yeah. at turn Ouch. fifteen at Chazana, and I'll never forget it because when you're in a bobsled, like it's, it's it's super noisy, super rattly. Like they look like spaceships yeah. from the outside, but there's just inside they're a crate. It's sheer metal, yeah. no seats, no nothing. You steer with string, right? Yeah. And it's it's hard and uncomfortable. And when you go down on a smooth slide, right? It's it's, it's savage. Yeah. But when you crash, and I only know this from experience now, when you crash, there's an eerie silence. <laughs> And, and <laughs> nothing's till, touching anything. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you bang. don't realise at the time until it twigs just yeah. before you the ice that there's an eerie silence because your runners aren't on the earth, like on ground. Yeah. So you're, you, you're like, it's a right hand turn, and we've come up and we've gone like this, and then we've just come down, and we on have, your roof, yeah, on the roof, right? Oof. And we have so you've got centrifugal force at like yeah. seventy odd mile an hour pulling you out. You've got yeah. to try and keep yourself in because the sled is the only protection you've got, but it yes. ain't really protection because you're yeah, smashing yeah. left, right, and centre. And we've gone all the way down, and and then at the bottom, no one jumps in and throws like a net over you to stop you. They wait for you to like gravity and speed and and the ice just to stop you. So you're like this upside down, and that's the longest <laughs> part. Have you ever done a bungee jump? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the bungee yeah, yeah. jump, right? The jump is yeah. great. But then yeah. when you actually come back up, it's yeah. like this bit here, you, you're yeah. like you're, the, the blood starts filling up in your head, yeah, right? Yeah, and you just think, yeah. all right, I'm over this now. Get yeah. me down. Well, yeah. when you're sliding upside down like this and it's just getting slower and slower, because the bobsled weighs 350 kilo. Yeah. So with 200 kilos of people... A bit of momentum in it, in it though. No it? one's prepared to stand, stand yeah. in front of it, yeah. right? So they've just got to wait for you to stop and your arms are burning. You've got burns on your shoulders. My, I've kept my crash helmet. It's got a big flat side just here to it, yeah. Oh, right. Wow. I use that when I race Grand Turismo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in the living room. Have you got race overalls and race boots? No, I that? don't. No, no, no. I've got race <laughs> shoes, though. I do have race yeah. shoes. Oh, you need them. I don't know. Yeah, you've got to have them on the pedal. So, yeah, so that, and that was it. So out of... And we come... Oh, where did we come? We we beat two British teams in the really? final. Yeah, so in the I can't remember exactly where we come. Yeah, 
Oh, it's top ten. But we anyway. anyway so we Brit, we beat two British teams in the in yeah. the British bobsleigh championships yeah. ten days after. Can you imagine watching if you cool qualified runnings. for the Winter Olympics? Well, how that's cool another that story. Be? That's another story. Yeah. Um, but that was spoken about. Was it? Yeah. Oh, anyway, but cool I think very be? briefly. But I just retired from decathlon, which wasn't a fan. It took a lot of time, a yeah. lot of effort, a lot of injuries. Didn't it wasn't the most financially rewarding event yeah, in yeah. track and field. Yeah. Um, and so to go from that into a winter sport that was very similar in in relation takes Just a lot think of time. We had lot Eddie of the Eagle. You could have been Dean the Duck. It would have been brilliant. <laughs> Dean the Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that. So, so Quick, from, we're going over. Yeah, duck. I know. So from, from that, I went out to I went out to Germany. Did some of the European and the World Tours. Amazing. Um, and then commentated on Amy. I was the voice that Amy Williams come through the Winter Olympics to win. Awesome. Yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But because I'm a bobsleigh, because uh, well, that yeah, was skeleton, yeah. obviously. But because I because I survived. Yeah. Yeah, I got awesome. I probably got four years four years out of that, and it's, I used to love it. it Me and Martin Avon. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Some some great stories, and then you went on to be a star on TV as opposed to just the um, uh, the, the commentating from sportsman to competitor into uh, uh, sorry commentator, then back to competitor. Surely the highlight of your sporting career was winning wipeout. Oh, wipeout! I wonder where he was going. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wipeout yeah, was amazing. That, that was very cool. And yeah. actually, do you know, I've been quite lucky because I've done all of the sort of like the gimmicky things you know yeah. I did Master Chef Mastermind a few of those things and I'm certainly not a mastermind but I didn't come last yeah. that's a yeah. that's a savage win for old Macy yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. who did um, you beat? Uh, I beat oh Pit, I'm going to say Pixie it was one of the doctors out of uh, Embarrassing Bodies oh right Dr Pixie I think so. Yeah, yeah, Tall, the Irish lovely. girl, red hair that's with it. green eyes. Is it Pixie? Yeah, that's a it. A lovely yeah, yeah. lady. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually came down to a few charity events, yeah. sort of a charity I'm a patron for down in Essex, like to uh, to help out. So yes. yeah, she she was epic. Yeah, epic. fantastic. But the reason I beat her was because my specialist subject, which was uh, Back to the Future trilogy, was allowed. <laughs> well, of course, was allowed. Yeah. And her specialist subject wasn't, which was herpes. <laughs> So she, had to, she, had to change, she had to change her specialist subject that, to something that she wasn't quite a specialist in, apparently. Oh, can you imagine being an expert in therapy? God, it. Yeah, so, so the wipeout was... And my yeah. wife has always been super supportive, but when I said to her, I said, babe, I've just had a phone call. They're going to fly yeah. me out to Argentina first class. I'm going to do total wipeout. And that's yeah. the first time my wife's gone, oh, really? <laughs> I want to do that. So anyway, I went out there. Yeah. Did all right, won it. Yeah. Um, Got a bit of money for charity and everything. Epic experience, yeah, like yeah, beautiful amazing. country, mega in yeah. every way. Like just just turning up and having a wicked stag do. Like because they actually film two celebrity shows at the same time. So right. there's what 12, 15 people on each show. So there's yeah, like thirty yeah. of us taking yeah. over like the aeroplane and then yeah. the hotel. And it. it was it was really cool. Um, and I'd work with the, with the producers and I said, look, my wife, she's quite fit, she's quite athletic, yeah. she would love to do this. Yeah. And all of the things that I'd actually describe, like flying over there, right, they really look after you, you get pajamas on the yeah. plane, I can fucking lay out on the first class seats. Yeah. So she got she got on there. All right. And that, like, clearly they wedged her in like economy and yeah. she's, she's sitting there thinking, where's this seat that he's talking about where's all this and the other and when she got over there yeah well she's not too tall so it's all right but then her luggage got delayed and it's like 40 degrees in Buenos Aires and then she said to me she goes what's the key to actually winning like and I said speed babe because it's all based on time you've just got to beat the people ahead of you I said you're almost certainly going to fall off of something I said so fall off fast get up fast do everything fast she did everything fast and she got hit with everything. She oh, came no. back black and blue. <laughs> she, she literally stripped down when she walked into the kitchen coming home from like wipeout and she yeah. had bruises everywhere. Dude, I, thought, I really 
stitched yeah. her up here. Because she's only little, isn't she's she? Tiny, yeah, yeah she's tiny. Yeah, it's yeah. quite, it's quite but funny she seeing the it. two of you together. Yeah, because there must be three foot difference between you. There, almost, probably, yeah. She's five yeah. foot one. I'm six foot five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big old, big old. She's got little hands though. That's the main thing. Hey, <laughs> go no further. Um, speaking about little hands, uh, we always ask our guests to bring us in a present. Oh, okay. So. I did. You have a gift in your little hand. I did, somewhere. and actually I spent, whilst I was getting my golf clubs out of the garage, I spent about 25, 30 minutes looking through like a barrage of took that's everywhere, thinking... Yeah. Right, what I piece want of crap can I give it? Well, yeah. oh, Cheers, you know, mate. I think I caught a carp on that rig once. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and actually, I remembered that I had this yeah. in my van, and I've had it in my van for a couple of years now. Now, it's, it's a tutty old lure to everybody, Yeah. right? But... A couple of years ago, I had a bit of a wobble in my fishing. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I just lost all passion yeah. to, to spend time on the bank. I was I, like, I, and I'd actually had a really good winter. I caught a PB barbel, PB grayling, caught a 200-pound skate from Scotland. Yeah. I caught I caught a char, which was clearly a PB because you don't catch them every yeah. day, right? Yeah. So I'd had like four PBs in the winter, and I'd had lots of decent backup fishing. I was really struggling to even like motivate myself to do anything um and i was out on a mountain bike ride with a friend of mine and he went yeah that's a good little bass spot over there yeah and i went there's no bass in here mate like, I, I know the stories from back in the day I, and i'd never seen fish before in my yeah. life and he went no clear no seriously he said come this date oh that was the end of april or whatever it was he said we'll meet up and we'll have a little go so i i've got a like like everybody in the garage or stuck up in the loft. I've yeah. got boxes of lures that I've bought over the years, yeah, yeah. right? And they'd been sat there for ages because I'm not a particularly great lure angler. I have a little dabble. I don't catch anything, and then they all go back and yeah, collect yeah. dust. Um, but I got them out. I didn't know what I was putting on, and this was the very first lure that I caught a sea bass on. My right. very first – it was only a schoolie, probably yeah, yeah. four ounces or whatever, right? Yeah. But having that – that experience of doing something totally different that I'd almost ignored over the years, reasonably local as well, on a short tide, yeah. socialising, jumping on a mountain bike and driving to a point where I'm, it's, you know, it's not like a commercial where there's going to be, like, we can't see a single other person yeah. and we must have done 500 casts for nothing yeah. and then in half an hour caught a dozen fish. Yeah. Like, that little half an hour window yeah, was yeah, worth the AK window. elbows and stuff. Yeah. And, and I put that and I just I only I only got that out. I put literally put it on my rod, yeah. right? And I, I was just casting it. And you can tell it's, it's battered to bits, yeah. right? And I left that in my van to remind me that I don't need lots of time to enjoy my fishing. And that was probably a couple of years ago. And and it's that little lure has it definitely sparked a passion for fishing back yeah. in my like in my belly. But it also cost me thousands of pounds as well because after that I went out and bought load more lures probably yeah. good and bad um a fishing kayak life jackets the lot i mean <laughs> um, and so and so as much as that is just a lure it's a reminder that there's always something to like you said all-rounder yeah. I, I, i've always been an all-rounder and love my specimen fishing in fresh water yeah but now i do a little bit of sea fishing oh. as well for the sea bass and the wrasse and stuff like that and it was all down to a mountain bike ride and then having just like a bit of time to go and chuck this lure yes. which clearly got battered yeah. um and so in a, in a way sort of say because i was i was really struggling yeah really struggling to get the rods out yeah yeah and and yeah. that and that was the angling lifesaver yeah so to basically. a degree like we all yeah. go through yeah, like yeah, peaks and troughs right sometimes you want to go other times you don't 
Um, and yeah. and since that, I haven't struggled at all. Yeah. Because I've got another string to me about. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. So yeah. I thought. So I, and I saw it, and because I was struggling, I thought to myself, "There's there's a reasonable sort of meaning to it." Yeah. Great pattern as well, actually. The old rage curly tails. Yeah. Uh, we sold these in the shop, by the way. Lemonbacks are very so, like anything yeah, sort yeah. of chartreuse or white. That's yeah. what I found, ladies yeah. and gents. Fantastic. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, white, white for me. Green in the uh, in, in freshwater and white in uh, yeah in in, in So the that, sea. that's but what that's why yeah. I bought that. Lovely, thank you very much. I'm going to stick him up there next to that one. So brilliant. Um, uh, let's let's talk briefly uh, about sea fishing as well because yeah. I, uh, it will be very briefly because I am such a novice. That's what I like about it. Yeah, but that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Being good at something is great going into something that has a similarity yeah. where you've got a base knowledge but you have to develop a new skill set is for me one of the most invigorating things in fishing because you sort of know what you've got to do so you're not going in as a complete novice and getting loads of things wrong yeah but you've got to refine what you're doing well yeah um, like set up rigs bait all that yeah, stuff simple exactly easy it's, all, it's the watercraft it's understanding yeah. tides and weather which has blown me you've, you've already got your bass fishing kit if you if you perch fish you've already got your bass fishing yeah, kit. absolutely you, you know it, it's for, for me it's pike and perch fishing in the summer in nice surroundings where it's warm and you can have an ice cream at the end of the day yeah you're not going to get anybody around other than people on the beach i can't think of anything worse than setting up a bivy when it's 28 30 degrees in the summer and yeah. your window for a bite yeah when you're you're dripping and sweating and you've got suntan lotion running off in the middle of the night like that's that's i i'm certainly not a, i'm almost the opposite to a fair weather angler yeah. oh, i can't stand yeah. that weather yeah. but standing there with a the fresh salty breeze in your face lovely casting lures for a couple of hours on the yeah. flood tide yeah you know, generally it's sort of like yeah. you know sometime on the flood and yeah. maybe the first hour of the ebb yeah, yeah. um but that's that's fishing for me like yeah. in the summer it's you can get your fishing fix in a very short period of time yeah and you know the tides change as well so it might be that you're up for a couple of hours between four and six beautiful time to be up in the summer yeah isn't it so you've had your fishing fix you've been at the best possible time you know after that that the window is closed so there's no point flogging a dead yeah. horse trying to catch something when it's wrong so you've done everything you possibly can do in a short period of time you've learned a new skill hopefully you've caught a few and don't they fight well bass yeah they do they are amazing but the bass has led to the like to the wrasse has led to the mullet oh and not the mullets over... keep the mullet out of it oh, I, I got onto the mullet at the end of their season yeah. And I've, I mean, sporadically I've trot. Like I've, I've seen mallet when I've been in like harbors and stuff like that, yeah. where you can't. Piece of cake. Do you catch them you really easy if you could? When you, oh yeah, if yeah. you can yeah. chub yeah. fish, yeah. you can mallet yeah. fish. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> <off>. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I actually ended up the season with eight. Did my you? first one was a four-one, so that was the very That's biggest one. one. But the, my last, the last, <laughs> it's a bit funny actually, because the last one I hooked, I lost. Yeah. Um, and where I'm catching them, super shallow. These yeah. are fin lips, super yeah, yeah. super shallow, and. I'll foul look to couple by accident. When you foul look them, because like you know your float will just go, yeah. right? Um, so you you got to strike. Um, and when you accidentally foul look them, generally they come off within a couple of seconds, yeah. but their back comes out of the water. But when you hook them fairly, yeah. right? Because it's shallow water, they'll come out. They'll have a little look around like that, yeah. right? And you can land them real quick. Yeah. But I've never got the net that handy because I'm never that confident I'm going to get a bite. So when yeah. the float goes under and I hook one, its head yeah. comes out of the water. I'm like, yeah. net's back it's up there, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they just charge off. But the last one I looked came out like that, but then fought like it was sort of foul looked, and it yeah. went in and out several oh. times, and I'm only on tiny little looks, and it come off. And when I tell you when its head come out of the water, it looked like a fist. Yeah. Like, it was a proper yeah, one. Real um, but I wasn't that fussed, because just before that, I'd caught one about 
I don't know, probably about three pounds. Yeah. Certainly big enough to photograph, right? Because I hadn't caught that many at that point. So I'm photographing yeah. anything over two and a half, three pounds, I'm photographing. I'm like, yep, lovely. Uh, that's brilliant. Because I'd spent years having a dabble and getting it yeah. all wrong. Fishing bread for thin lips, yeah. you know, which they don't eat bread. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Maybe they do yeah. somewhere, but certainly where I'm fishing. Yeah. Or fishing like baited, baited spinners for thick lips. Like, yeah. I, and I'm sitting there going, well, how would you, you tell the difference? Yeah. So anyway, I've lost this yeah. big one. And I'm sitting there going, that's all right. I've got a three pounder in the net. Yeah. And as I go out, I lift the net up for this three pounder, jump straight oh, out. Oh. <laughs> so my last session was a bit of a disaster. But, yeah. I'm, but I'm so happy catching them because like the chub, yeah. and I'm probably a lot more experienced than when I was faffing about with the chub, I'd faffed about with the mullet, getting the right tactics for the wrong species so many yeah. times. And yeah, I'd yeah. sort of started, had a bad experience, given up. And so at the end of last season, sort of, worked out what I was looking for, what part of the tide. All came from lure fishing for the bass, because then I'd start yeah. seeing a few swells, chuck the lures out, I'm not getting any bites. I'm going, they yeah. may might even be mullet. Completely different type of watercraft and lovely to learn. Totally, well. totally. But and that, boy, they fight. And, and for me, July, August is a great time for fish for them, because yes. actually, you know, it's a, it's a good time for them, but it's a crap time on the rivers. Yeah. And and it's too hot to be bivvied up, like you say. So fishing with the seasons is... Yeah, and they generally like... They're like rudd yeah. in that when every other species... You think to yourself, like, there's no yeah, wind, no good. There's, yeah. there's no wind, yeah. bright sunshine, I've got to wait until 10 o'clock at night to have a chance. Yeah. Like, you either want to be on the fence for the rud, yeah. or you want to be at the beach, or yeah. in a marina, or a creek, or something for the mallet, because yeah, they yeah. tend to be, for me, yeah. the, well, you can see them. Well, it, it, like, my my lad in particular, he he's he loves his fishing, he like, quite likes his predator fishing, he likes fishing for perch, yeah. he likes fishing for pike, but he loves fishing for wrass. Yeah, rats are the ones. Oh, They're going to get a bit of time through the summer from me. 100%. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, they, they, it's interesting, actually, because they feed. If if we don't get these big rolling storms that we're getting at the moment, if you get a little bit of calm water, yeah. actually, they're really good November, December. They get really big, and the bigger ones Are they really? Be, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to catch big ones. Right. It's a harder time to fish. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it, the, the, the fish are big, some of these blooming things down in I the, think they're uh, one of the, the most incredible looking things we've got oh, in the British Isles I uh, really do the, the the fight on them yeah I think knocks the stuffing out of most things because you're fishing you know like Lorkin yeah I use um, I use a psycho perch uh, right I don't know if you know the psycho perch what fish. sort of grams that uh, 1530 Oh, oh, right. um, okay. So, uh, so I'm 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 medium on it, like a zandery yeah. type of weight yeah. of rod. Yeah, yeah. I've I've tried fishing for them on on my perch kit. Yeah, but normally they're going to be when you want the big ones. They're going to be in weed. They're going to be around rocks. You know, you uh, as soon as they hit you. Yeah. If you've managed to hang on to them after that initial punch in the chops. Yeah. And that's them giving us it, not us giving them it. Yeah. Then. You know, you need to be able to pull them. Yeah. Because by God, they don't have to pull out. Yeah. Once you got the, that, I would say the the first pull is the hardest. They'll turn and give a second one. Once you've beaten the second pull, you're winning. Yeah. But those first two hits are oh, just. Yeah. I, I've I've not caught any big ones. Have you not? Um. But I've not spent any time really. Um. But that was that was part of my plan this summer, which yeah. last summer, which didn't like come to fruition but it definitely is going to be a part of my plan Don't this they summer. look great oh, i think they're incredible well. yeah but yeah. the small ones i've caught are very simple like i think pound for pound in a short space of time like in a short like you said the first two runs they're harder than mullet yeah, yeah. and mullet are renowned for being like yeah. pound for pound the hardest but the mullets like their endurance is incredible yeah if you don't, like I said, when they lift their head up, you've got 10 seconds. Yeah. Not, maybe not even that, five seconds. Yeah. Seems like a long time because any fish's head out of the water, yeah. you're like, hook pull. Oh, God. And they turn into a bonefish then, don't they? Yes. They just go? and, and they just, it goes, yeah. it comes back, it goes, it comes back, goes, it comes, and you think, you're 
Yeah, yeah. What, like the very first one that I hooked had that like that typical mullet fight, and and I actually lost my patience a little bit. I was I was thinking, no, come on, I've been yeah. waiting so long. I've waited so long to put a hook in a fish of this sort of caliber, yeah. and I could not get the net under it. And every single time the net was stuck in the weed. Every time I moved the net half an inch, the fish it's got these big bobbly eyes on the side of it, right? And the fish yeah. saw it and it just darted yeah, off. And every time, yeah, it was gone. But it, unlike any other fish that would go. 30 yards, 25 yards, 20, 15, 10, you're under the tip. It went 30 yards, 30 yards, 30 yards, 30 yards, 30 yards. <laughs> like, what's this kid yeah, yeah. on? Yeah. The, um, Mega. For, well, Fordy, Fordy goes out for them. He's He's got a bit of an obsession with them at the moment. He exactly. tries to catch them on the fly all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, the, the, the presentation is lovely, but they just laugh at him. All oh, the really? time. They just laugh at him, and then eventually he'll hook one, and it's been gone. Oh, right. And that's it, because you can imagine on a fly rod. Yeah. It, as soon as they've turned and got that momentum and they're going, it's like. I mean, I'm not on heavy gear. I'm not. Yeah. I'm really not on heavy gear. I'm. I'm scaled. I've. I mean, I'm not on a. I'm not in a snaggy or a rocky environment. Yeah. So I'm on six pound line. But you yeah. and I know when you've cast a six pound like a six pound line into a tree with a feeder or a float rod, yeah, yeah. and you end up pulling for yeah. a break. That's a yeah. fair amount a of lot, pressure. You can pull yeah. back on that. Fair amount of pressure on that. Yeah. But, uh, so look, we're coming to the end. What's next? What's your, what's your target? What are you going to do as soon as the rivers are back in the uh, rivers and the fields are now dry? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll have another couple of trips to the Trent for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, again, just trying to make the most of my time. And I would yeah. rather save my time up and do a couple of days up to the Trent because it is a bit of a slap. Yeah. Um, than, I mean, I love the trophy hunting side of fishing. Yeah. But I think I've, I just think I've run that course and, got those trophies where yeah. it's not a burning desire in my fishing right now. I'm not saying it's never going to be, but I'm just not prepared to sit there when I feel like the odds are stacked against me. I would rather go when the odds are better or where the odds are better, yeah. you know? Um, so I'm going to stay local and try and catch a five-pounder out of the Chelma. Oh, nice. I'll say that. Five-pounder out of the Chelma. I think I caught one the other day. I didn't weigh it, but it yeah. was... I've caught enough five and six pounders to know that it was somewhere in between six. Yeah. Let's call it a six pounder, but another five pound. Yeah. A five pound chub, yeah. regardless of what I've caught in the past, is still yeah. a very good, a good fish. Chub. Yeah, anything yeah. that I can't get my hands around its shoulders is a very good fish. Yeah. A few more of them, let's say. Um, have a couple of trips to the Trent. Got a bit of filming coming up, sort of yeah. end of winter, um, early spring. I, I would love to say that I'm going to get some tench fishing done this yeah. spring because. As a stillwater species, tench are by far my favourite species. Yeah. Um, but I always seem to miss that sort the of window. six week, yeah, two six months week window. window. Like it's, yeah. uh, and it's always a busy time for me. And mm. and fishing, I don't fish anywhere near as much as I used to now. I've got yeah. other commitments that I have to adhere to. But so I'd love to say that is going to be a thing. But I don't know because I promised myself that for the last couple of years, and it's been a long time since I've seen a big tench in the back of my net. But yeah. I'd love to have a a couple of goes at least like yeah. I've always got 48 hours in a spring yeah. but I, I feel like on some of them sort of bigger tench waters one 48 hour session is it's like lucky, isn't it? yeah you, you, need, you rely you on luck as good as you are more. you need to know the venue yeah. a little bit more than that yeah, um, yeah I, mate I just I, I don't ever there's two fish I've, I've targeted well I've targeted three fish in my entire life I targeted yeah. um, a miracle to troll on a very sort of secluded unlooked after natural lake in France yep. when I knew it was there um, and I was lucky enough to catch that yep. 
I wanted to, not that I targeted, but I wanted desperately from a childhood to catch a 100-pound Siamese carp. Because when I was right. a kid, I took a, a newspaper clip into one of the very few school reports that I ever did. Yeah. There weren't many. Um, and I, I actually wrote this report back in the 80s, odd, right, that carp will eventually grow over 100 pounds. Yeah, and it was because yeah, I saw yeah. this Siamese carp, first one ever caught on rod and line over 100 pounds. And I just saw it in like a, a newspaper. And that was the thesis that I had. And basically, I, I copied most of the stuff from the art. Remember the artificial? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. copied most of the stuff from there. And then my, my conclusion was at some point, we will catch king carp over 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I had no back, yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. no backup, yeah. but I, I sort yeah. of kind of nailed that by accident, yeah. right? And I wanted to catch an eight-pound chub. Yeah. And now I know that sounds stupid, but only because I was on the River Lee at the time when there was a yeah. realistic chance Having if you spent time on yeah, there yeah. to catch one. Yeah. But ever since then, I've never targeted a fish. So if if I'm lucky enough to get a bit of time in the spring, I'll have yeah. a go for some tench. And yeah. I'll try and make sure I'm on a venue where it gives me a chance of a decent fish. Yeah. Um, if I get more time between now and the end of the season, I'd love to catch a few more double-figure barbel. Mm. I, I can't say that I've... I want to catch a 14-pounder, so I'm going to go here because yeah. I'm just happy catching doubles. And if a 14-pounder comes along, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, so I really, I don't ever set goals or targets. And I, I've got a couple of syndicates and places that I will spend a bit of time on. But mm. as an all-rounder, I, I, my fishing is very much like a rainbow. And I want to experience every colour, yeah, every man. time, I, like every sort of season of the year. Great description. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to sort of pigeonhole myself into losing so much because I've got that target here, like that venue or that fish, or or I've said that, so I'm going to have to try to, to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, so I'm re- I'm yeah. quite versatile. And I've Holland quite, plans. And at the moment, I like that. Yeah, I'm going back to Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah, I'm going back to Holland. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've yeah, got yeah, three yeah. days back in Holland have in you? November. Have yeah. You? Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. It's, that was absolutely incredible. Yeah. The first fish was four pound. Well, the first fish on the boat wasn't from us. It was from yeah. the guide. Yeah, he he went. I'll oh, just check whether they're there. Lobbed yeah. out a lure and wound in a fish Funk. that I. He, yeah. I'm sure he put it back because he was embarrassed. Yeah, right. Because he's like, it, it, we had fish to four fifteen, so we never caught the giants. Yeah, but as like the size of fish that we caught. With a belly, they're, they're five yeah, pound yeah, fish, right? Yeah. So we went in October. So in January, February, them fish are monster monsters, yeah. right? They just weren't quite as fat, but like they're still fat. Um, and I'm sure he put it back because he was embarrassed because he'd rather have one of us caught it. Um, and me and my mate, we was like, flipping heck, look at the size of that. And he just went, yeah, 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 it's not quite five pound. Yeah, and then yeah. you just slid it back. Yeah. And then me and my mate lobbed one out and I had a four one and my mate had a four six first fish yeah. on something very. I might have even put one of them on. Yeah, yeah. I might have even put one of them on. Um, it weren't always super easy. And actually, I think that the fact that the Xander were very, like, they're very feedy. Yeah, like, they, yeah. they were very active. Probably cost us a few perch over, the, sure. over the course of the time. For sure. But what an incredible place. I, I, I've, I've fallen in love with it. Absolutely fallen in love with it. I don't know how long it will last. So, I'll, so well, the first thing I did was book another trip because, again, making that, like, being in that window. Yeah. You know? well, I, look, I've, I've I've covered events out there for years. I know you have. Uh, I've I know been going out to hell of its life for a long time. I know you've caught a few goodies as well. Right? Oh, mate. Well, I've had... Um, we covered the European Fishing League uh, 2022. Yeah. And I'd done it... I'd been over there for a few years and I promised myself that I'd have a day. Yeah. But I'm busy in the UK, so I never get there early, so I can't have my day before. Yeah. And then when the event's finished, however much you want to do it before the event, at the end of the event, you're always knackered and you just want to get home. Yeah, I can, I can so, understand that. So... 
for three or four years covering World Predator Classic, all of these people, and bearing in mind I am commentating and watching the very best predator anglers in the world, yeah. and I'm spotting the patterns as to how they're catching yeah. it. And you're seeing that the bloke that's fishing slow on the deck isn't catching as many, but he's catching bigger ones. Yeah. And the guys that are crankbait fishing are catching loads, but they're only catching fours. Yeah. You know, and, and they're unlocking the code for you. Absolutely. It, it gives you a huge head start yeah. when you have the ability to watch really good people do something. So yeah. as a result, a lot of my own work has been done for me. Um, ultimately, you've still got to catch them. But uh, I remember the, the first time I went out there, I had half a day. I thought, I'm too tired to drive home now. I'll drive home tomorrow. If I drive home tonight through the, di- through the dark, I'll get home. I'm going to be knackered. I've lost tomorrow anyway. Yep. So I thought, I'm going to sleep here. I'm going to fish in the morning, and I will be leave by 3 o'clock, and I'll get home for evening. So I had four hours. And the first bite, um, I can't remember exactly what the weight it was. I think it was just over, I think it was five pound four ounces. It was a forty-eight centimeter fish because over there, obviously, the measurement is first rather than the weight. Yeah. Um, I wanted to catch a four pounder. I've I've gone out again, and obviously, you know, the the, the holy grail is is a, a fifty. Yeah. In in continental yeah, yeah, terms. Fi- yeah. Uh, and I've had a fifty-one and a half, which was six pound two ounces. Jesus Christ! And and it just absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. And there wasn't a fish that big caught in the competition that year. And they were all laughing, going, "Blimey, you know, you've you've, you've obviously yeah. done something." Because they were saying they were all crankbait fishing, but I was fishing slow, right? And the big fish are always slow on the deck, yeah. always. So the following year, went out to do it again. I enjoy that as well, by the way. Oh, I love it, like the Texas and the Carolina. Yeah. I, I loved it, like just watching the tip, just slow, well, the first, slower the better. The, and then the all first, of a sudden, the first year it was a Ned. And I said, because they, they, I said, can I chuck a shad around? They said, oh, you need to crankbait fish, really, because right. that's how you're going to get your numbers. If you yeah. want a four, then then do that. And I said, well, I don't know how to fish cranks for perch. I've, I've fished cranks for uh, for pike. Yeah. But I've got four hours here. Now, if I do something that I don't know how to do, I don't know whether I'm doing it right. Yeah. So as a result, I might catch or I might not. So I know you say that's the best thing, but that's on the basis of me knowing what I'm doing with it. Yeah. So I would rather do something that I know that I can do well yeah. than do something that I don't know if I can do well. Um, if that makes sense. Plus, if they've so, been hammered on the cranks over the last yeah. couple of days. Chucked a net out. I said, I said, can I use a shad? They went, everybody's been chucking shads out. Nobody's been catching on them. They're catching on the Carolina. They're catching on cranks. They're catching on these right. sort of bits and bobs. And I went, well, I, I, look, I, if I'm not fishing a shad, I'd like to fish a, a net. So I've, I've, they've gone, right, nobody really fishes neds. Have a go if you want. Yeah. Anyway. With what on? Um, like a stick just, bait? Or just a... with a little stick bait. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a little chartreuse stick bait. Right, yeah. Um, so, bang, out it's gone, and I fish, like, really slowly. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, amazingly slowly. If you watch me, it looks like I'm not fishing. Yeah. But I, that's how I find because I swim with perch a lot of the time, and I see how they behave and what yeah. they're doing. They I like so much... to try and get a reaction from your cat. Oh. I can do that, and my cat will chase it, and then after two minutes, yeah. I have to twitch, or even, even not twitch the rope that she's chasing, I have yeah. to turn it so it does this, the yeah. smallest of movement, and I get a reaction that's from it. her. You, 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 they, they get bored, yeah. and then what they do is they watch it for a while. Yeah. And if it moves, they'll just watch it move. But if they watch it not move for a while, they're still looking at it yeah, yeah. for ages, so you can leave it hang for 30 seconds, give it a tiny little one bang. Straight away, but know. but it's the pause because we don't pause long enough. No, that's what I picked up from these guys. Anyway, long and short of it, um, I, I I've been out recently with a couple of very good lure anglers. Yeah, obviously when I went to Holland, I learned an yeah. awful lot. But Kev Cox, I did a little yeah, bit yeah. for um, for Rage Up on the uh, on the broads. Yeah, and the one thing that he said to me yeah. is that. The vast majority of people do too much with yes, the lure. Yes, absolutely. Like you, you work it too hard. It's especially with, yeah. um, especially with the Ned, I think as well, because yeah. what the Ned is is, is an upended roach feeding on the yeah. bottom, 
and it's not feeding really quickly. It's no. not traveling along the bottom like that. It's traveling like that. Yeah. It's feeding on the bottom like that. So the more you leave it hang. So the perch is looking at it, thinking what we're going to do. And then you give it a little tweak and bang, it'll go. And the, almost the longer the hang, yeah. the more it's going to hit it when it moves, if it's there. But you don't know if it's there, so you might be wasting your time. Yeah. Anyway, carry on with the story. So I've I've had this six, and I'm like, it's, I wanted a four, blown away. Yep. Don't know what to do. 51 and a half centimeters, amazing. Went back the next year, which was 2023, yep. to, to, to um, do the same thing. Filmed it there. Thought, I'm having another uh, day out because I can't not do it. Yep. Um, and uh, it happened again. But it was £6.12. Flipping it. So, which... It was, how long was that? It was 54 and a half centimetres. Yeah, that's as big as they get, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, there's, there's, not, there's not many that... Well, the, the, world, the IG for world record right. is £6.6 6 ounces. That's the that's the current world record really? six pounds six ounces. Right. Now I've heard that there's been a bigger fish caught, which seven is, seven. I I heard. Yeah, so yeah. that was three kilo three fifty. That would Take be word for that. that would be there or thereabouts. Yeah. So that's that's it. And I don't I don't disbelieve it. Yeah. So you know, but that that generally, like you know, they they're talking about the we fish that spot. By the way, did you? Yeah. The, Didn't the, catch a thing. No. But just the, being on the seven-seven spot yeah. was like. Well, the, the the holy grail over there is a three kilo fish. Yeah. That's what everybody wants to catch. Yeah, you yeah. know, it used to be a fifty centimeter fish, but if you I didn't, catch need, a three I, kilo I, fish, I knew that was a possibility, but I didn't yeah. even need. I didn't even have aspirations for that. Yeah. I'd call. I, I I likened it to this. I don't know how many miles or thousands of pounds I've spent for one four pound perch in the UK. Yeah, yeah. So I went out there thinking, if I catch two, yeah, that thousand pound that I spent going out there it's was well worth, well it. worth it. And I caught I caught six. Yeah. So that was well well worth it. But it's it's the but, wilderness. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's the fact that it's completely different. It's the fact that you you use your tech to find some spots. You use yeah. your tech to find sort of where the fish are. But then what you do is you fool them with your own finesse and your yeah. guile. Yeah. Because I've I've been out there where somebody has absolutely put me on fish and I've tried to do something that I didn't know how to do properly, which yeah. was a Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was trying to fish. The first time I tried to fish a Carolina, it was in a big wind. And what you don't yeah, yeah. do is fish Carolina in a big wind. You can't feel nothing. You can't yeah. feel anything. No. You don't get the, you know, you, you it's proper finesse fishing. You don't get that control. Yeah. Um, and because I didn't know how to do it, I didn't know that I was doing it wrong. And I'm trying and trying and trying and trying and can't do it. And in the end, I've gone, oh, fuck that for a game of soldiers. I'm sticking a shad on. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just chucked a shad on, wobbled it past, and it's gone thunk straight away uh, and that was a 412 so you know it just it, it's it's amazing but just going back to what you were saying earlier it's about being there at the right time i was talking to the guys and the amount of four pound fish that are coming through yeah you know bearing in mind a four pound fish to us is towards the end of its life and really you think five pound is the ceiling more or less in the uk yeah I'll it's not that. over there six is the ceiling yeah so those four pound fish have got two to three years. Yeah, and we caught a lot of smaller fish as well. That's it. They're coming through. We caught a lot of smaller fish. You know, like like so, fish that you'd happily catch in the UK. Yes. But you're you're, you're putting two and a half three pound fish back, thinking, yeah. Yeah. oh, that's time. Wasted. That's not what we came for. Yeah. And and that's the risk. Not that the big fish aren't there, but the small fish are populating through because the conditions are so good for perch over right. there at the moment. There's there's a big environmental thing going on with um, they they want to return it to the sea. So they were talking about taking the dam out to bring more brackish water oh, in. Really? It's a really interesting tidal system that when when the river comes down, they shut the floodgates when the tide's coming in, right. and the river and the tide rise at the same time. And then they drop it out when the tide's going out. It takes the fresh water out. Occasionally, they let the brackish water through again because they right. want to try and revert it back to that. And as a result, there's a lot more food and different colour there. But anyway, look, we're, we're going on. If you like your perch fishing, that's I'll look there. If you like your perch fishing, just go to Holland. And that's my trip amazing. for this year. Yeah. I don't have any trips booked. Yeah. I will be travelling, 
but that's the only trip that I've got booked for 2024. Dream trip, isn't it? It is just amazing. Yeah. Look, we've we've over-talked and over-listened. Really, and yeah. it don't even feel like we scratch the surface, Who'd if I'm honest. It? You and me in the same room talking for God knows how many hours. Should we do a part two? I think we should. Yeah. I think we should. Well, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you ever so much for your time. Dean, thank you ever so much for your time as well. It's always a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Hopefully I'll see you around the shows at some stage this year as well. I'm sure yeah, you'll definitely. be here, there and everywhere. I enjoy, I enjoy the shows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant stuff. If you've got any questions, as ever, fire them in. We'll pass them on to Dean. You can, uh, you can ask him anything you want, whether it's about fishing, sporting career, TV, anything like that. Same with us all here at Outlaw Pro. So... From me, I'm going to say goodbye. You know what to do. Click all the likes, all the follows, all the other bits and bobs, and I will see you again next time. Thanks for listening to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests. See you next time.